if you're a new podcaster, don't worry about all the quality stuff and all of the getting everything perfect. It's not going to be perfect. You know, your first few episodes and maybe your first many are going to be, you're going to look back on them as you learn and grow and, you know, probably be slightly embarrassed. But that's the path to figuring it out. And it's not only just about getting the right mic or having the right presence as a, as a, an interviewer or a host. It's about learning what your audience resonates with. Welcome to the Talking Silkworm Podcast, the go-to show for coaches and entrepreneurs seeking to build and grow their audiences by using the power of their voice. We provide valuable insights, advice, and resources to help you create a strong online presence and connect with your ideal audience. Whether you have a podcast, video channel, course, or any other type of content that involves your voice, with new episodes every week, you'll always have access to the latest strategies for taking your voice-based content to the next level. Are you ready to take action and start building your audience? Tune in and let us help you unleash the power of your voice. Hello there. Welcome to a new episode of the Talking Self-Warm podcast. My name is David Perez, your host. And today we have a conversation with Mr. Josh Nielsen, the CEO of Zencaster. In case you're not familiar with Zencaster, it is a platform designed specifically for the uh, creation of podcasts. Yes, it started as a tool for recording remote interviews for podcasts, but it has evolved uh, through time to offer a wider and very, very uh, interesting range of solutions for podcasters. This is not sponsored interview, by the way. This is an interview I decided to create because I am an active user of Zencaster. And I am aware that they are constantly looking for solutions to problems podcasters have. And these are areas we are going to cover in today's conversation. We are going to talk about three main areas. One of them is going to be podcast promotion. The other one is going to be podcast monetization. And the third one is going to be podcast recording. So bear in mind that even though the conversation swirls around features of the Zencaster platform, bear in mind that those features are designed based on feedback Josh and their team have received. So that means they reflect the podcaster's actual needs and goals and challenges, which might be the same you as a podcaster are, are facing right now, or maybe you are potentially going to face in the future. So this will help you understand what the current status of the art is and how you can evolve and transform so you can improve your craft, improve your, your podcast, grow a larger audience in the future. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Zencaster's CEO, Josh Nielsen. Mr. Josh Nielsen, CEO of Zencaster, thank you very much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Okay, I'm really glad to have you on. I think we had an interview a couple of years ago. I asked you if we should republish that interview, but you told me, hey, let's do it again. Let's do it again because the whole panorama has changed 
Zencaster has changed the tools. Now we have artificial intelligence. We, like we have so many things that are different now. So I think it will be better. As you thought, you suggested it will be better to have a brand new conversation, which is amazing because like this is going to be uh, like a rediscovery of what Zencaster can do and what the new projections are and how you guys are going to help podcasters in the present and the future. Yeah, no, there's been a lot of, you know, the, the podcasting ecosystem is just rapidly moving, uh, improving and, you know, the needs and, and our product has, has, uh, you know, aligned along with that. And so, um, yeah, love to, uh, dive into it. Yeah. 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 Let's, let's dive into it. So, uh, has saved podcasters thousands of headaches because before we had tools like Zencaster, we had to like figure out ways to record the audio either locally or through platforms like zoom which are nice but do not provide the, the, the best um, quality of audio and video so why why did you josh decide to to create this platform was it because maybe you were facing the same situations or was it a different idea how did Zencaster come to to being so I've been a, a fan of podcasts for a long time. I even got my first startup job by calling into somebody's um, live show that they have. It's a podcast they recorded live and then they publish as a podcast. And so I always thought it was a really interesting medium and, you know, the ability for like anybody to have worldwide distribution without having to like be part of some sort of radio network or whatever was, was really cool and empowering as, as, as a free speech advocate. I never, um, thought at those times that this was the path, you know, that I would go down as far as like my career. But I was very interested in entrepreneurship and, you know, building products that didn't exist before that empower people to to also create things that didn't exist before and um, just kind of, you know, progress, you know, humanity forward, you know, even just in a little, very small way. But I, you know, my initial stabs at trying to build something like that were um, actually focused in the music space. I started a company with some friends of mine to um, build basically a GitHub for music, a place for electronic musicians to collaborate, share assets with one another and um, create a large pool of license free content that they can remix and whatever. Really fun idea. Um, some other company that actually kind of took that over the finish line for our team. You know, we hit a lot of roadblocks and you know, kind of just ran out of money uh, to pursue that idea. And as that project kind of fell apart, I was looking for the next thing. I'd learned a lot about dealing with audio through the browser because it was a browser-based application. Mm -hmm. And somebody along the way had said to me, I don't know about musicians, but podcasters have this problem with quality. I'd always been a podcast consumer. I had like been on a podcast before, but I did not know much about the what it takes to actually create one yourself and, you know, head up the production of a podcast. And so did some research, talked to some people that I knew had podcasts and sure enough, there was a really big problem with getting high quality assets when you're recording remotely with a remote guest or a remote co-host. And turns out like 80 plus percent of podcasts have that at least, uh, at least at some point in time, they're going to want to bring in uh, a remote guest because it's really hard to find super interesting people in your hometown that can come to your studio unless maybe you live in LA or something, you know? And so 
I did some research and I learned that these guys were trying to record remotely. They were using, uh, oftentimes they were trying to train their guests on how to like use audacity and record themselves and like export it to an MP3 and send that over, which you can imagine how frustrating that may be for the guest and for the, the podcast host, uh, to try and ma- manage all that. And a lot of times people are saying, we just don't have guests a lot because it's such a hassle. And I thought, man, that's, that's a, what a shame that is because that's, you really want to have as many great people on your show as you, as you can. And to be constrained just by a technology problem, uh, I was like, Hey, maybe there, maybe we can solve that. And, you know, a lot of the skills that I'd learned previously on that previous project were, you know, applicable to this. And so I realized most of these guys were using Skype at the time, you know, this was back in 2000 and yeah, I think four was when, uh, or, or not four, uh, 14 when you know i really kind of initially got started on this now a lot of them use zoom but they have the same problem where it only records either in the cloud or on one end and so the host could sound really good and then the guests you could hear all the the voip artifacts the the robotic speech in i mean if the internet connection is not great complete dropouts yeah and and everything you, is mixed together right like if you have crappy quality audio is going to be mixed or like there is no way to fix that exactly it was all recorded on one track and so if a dog is barking or somebody coughs or whatever you can't it's not very easy to separate those out impossible uh, in a lot of cases and so there's a lot of barriers there and also at the same time the browsers started launching new abilities to like access a microphone and process audio save it you know filter it run dynamic range compression all this kind of stuff and that was one of the reasons why Zencaster was the first mover in this space because it hadn't technically been possible before, you know, we started working on this problem and it kind of became possible as we were working on it. But, you know, the real pain point for podcasters was they're not so much concerned about audio quality in and of itself. They want to find and grow their audience. And when you publish a piece of content and then your audience on Twitter or whatever platform you're using for communications is saying, uh, I can't listen to this. The quality's garbage. I'm going to unsubscribe. You're like, wow, okay, this is a problem. I want to grow my audience, not lose my audience. And so uh, when we obvious that we can make a, an app where you just send a link to whoever you want to record with, it brings them into, uh, they click the link, opens up their browser, opens up Zencaster, just like a Google Meets or Hangout. And when you hit record, uh, it records both people locally on each end individually on independent tracks and then we mix those together in the cloud after the fact so you've got that high you know studio quality sound same room sound that podcasters are really looking for and the audience is going to be really happy about as well Um, we got our first 100 or so users just by going on twitter and searching for podcasters that were complaining about Skype ruining their podcast and trying to defend themselves to their audience like hey i'll solve this don't worry we've got a solution in place and almost all those people signed up for our beta and that's what really kickstarted the 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 beginning of you know validated what we were doing and and that's when we leaned into the the business yeah it was like the 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 project happened at, at a very good point in like at the evolution of web browsers because you were able to integrate the new project uh when i think it was mainly google chrome that has been like the lead that has had the lead in implementing these new tools you know, that enable people to interact through microphone and like do local recordings. So it was a great thing. And it was like very interesting to hear that you created a solution that didn't work for the market you had intended it to work for, but then was easily transferable to a new market, which was podcasters. 
Yeah, no, like that, you know, I was pleasantly surprised in that as well. And I think that taught me a big lesson about just, I think, entrepreneurship and starting your own thing is that you're probably not going to get it right out of the gate. Like you really have to, you know, they always say like, find your passion, choose what you're passionate about and go for it. And I, I, you know, I'm a a hobbyist musician and I thought like, Hey, this is something I'm really passionate about. I'd love to like help, you know, empower something for other musicians. But you know, you can find like, even though at that time podcast creation wasn't my passion, I've found a passion for it as I've helped solve those problems for people. And you really just have to follow your nose. And well, and by by that, I mean, follow the feedback you're getting from people. Don't be so, because I sat on, you know, someone brought that up, you know, say podcasters have this problem. And I remember thinking that's fine, but I'm passionate about, you know, musicians and that's what we're building for. And I, I sat on that for maybe two or three years before, uh, coming back to that idea and thinking, Hey, maybe this is worth investigating. Maybe we can really, um, you know, drive a lot of value and empower creators, uh, in a, in a different medium. And so I think just not being too married to your idea. And I think I was too married and I could have, you know, maybe this could have happened quicker if I hadn't been that way, but that taught me a pretty important lesson. And I'm really, you know, glad that, uh, and, and, and it's really just a credit to the creators, you know, they, are, you know, as you know, podcasters are very vocal um, and they also have a lot of roadblocks in the way of being successful and um, just being able to collaborate with them and, and build a solution together, I think is really the key. And uh, yeah, it's been a pretty exciting journey. Just to give listeners an idea of how well received the Zencaster has been, do you have an estimate of how many active users you have? Maybe or maybe the past year, do you have a, like an average? I mean, there's tens of thousands of monthly active uh, hosts creating on Zencaster, um, and you know we actually see that as quite small relative to what the future is going to hold. Podcasting is an interesting medium in that the barrier of entry is seemingly low. Like anybody can set up an RSS feed. You can even host for free, but and so there's that that piece is there, but there's also a lot of other creating actually publishing the content is pretty easy creating it and getting it you know beginning all the machinery going uh in between that is uh i think where the hard part is and so we've you know we've been pretty interested in just figuring out how do we grease the wheels for creators how do we make it so that anybody can create a podcast and right now uh, you know i think we're you know, just kind of accomplishing that goal and kind of helping with the whole range of process. That's why we launched, you know, last later last year, an all-in-one solution where you can record, um, produce and publish, uh, grow and monetize all from one platform. And our goal is really to make it so that any truly anyone who has a voice and wants to say something can be a podcaster and have a good chance of success. If you look at podcasting compared to other mediums, you know, like I think Twitter and TikTok have like, you know, and YouTube even have, you know, double digit, what, what it's the, what do we call it, the creator to consumer ratio. So um, on like TikTok, I think it's like 30% of the people on TikTok are creators and the rest are consumers, right? And there's similar ranges on these other platforms that have made it really easy to create, you know, like Instagram, for instance. In podcasting, though, there's like it's well under one percent creators to the hundred percent or ninety nine percent consumers. 
And so we think that should be much that the, it should be much higher than that, you know, one percent. And so knocking all those barriers of entry out of the way, uh, all the, all, all those barriers to the entry out of the way, I think is going to lead to many, many like multi uh, orders of magnitude more people being able to engage in podcast and and creation. And so uh, we're pretty bullish on on the future of the space, and it's still as exciting as it is right now is just it's still just getting started. That's a great lesson for people who refrain from creating podcasts because maybe they think, oh, there are way too many podcasts already live and like it's just going to be another podcast. Who's going to listen to it? But now that you're telling me that the ratio of people creating podcasts is very low, that means there is a lot of opportunity for everybody who wants to start a podcast show to grow, to build and grow an, an audience with this, with this medium. Exactly. Yep. All right. Um, so now that we're speaking about the like the different milestones that Caster has had, that I think that is very connected to how podcasting is evolving right now, because Zencaster Zencaster tries to, or like yeah, I think that what you do is provide what the what the clients need or what the users need. So what are some of the milestones you have gone through in the past years? And what are maybe the next steps you are planning to take? Because I, I am aware that you started as an audio-only platform. Then you added video to the whole process because people were requiring to record video as well. And then more things came in. So can you like let us know what some of the milestones have been and what are the potential next milestones in the next year or a couple of years? Yeah, I mean, again, we've always just listened to creator feedback. You know, podcast creators are our North Star. It's actually quite simple if you just talk to podcasters and say, what is, what are the problems you're facing? What are your goals and what are the challenges you're facing in getting there? And that's what's led us to where we're at now. But to step back to, you know, some of those milestones, initially it was audio only recording. Um, and then out of the gate, people wanted video. I mean, that was one of the first requests we got even when we launched audio is, hey, can you do this same thing for video? And so we ended up launching video and we also became aware that, you know, as I mentioned before, people, most podcasters, their goal is not to record in studio quality. That's a means to an end. Their goal is to grow an audience and monetize that audience by and large. And so we, you know, that's, we'd had to take a step back as a business and say, you know, we've, you know, got, we've, we've solved this remote recording problem. How do we, but, you know, these creators who are recording with us, a lot of them are churning out of podcasting before they even publish their first episode because they had run into a bunch of other problems, even though they have high quality assets recorded. Like, how do I produce this content and make it look professional? Uh, like as far as like, you know, editing long pauses and ums and ahs and those sorts of things. Um, also, how do I um, find and grow my audience? Uh, growth and discovery and podcasting, most people would say is broken. And it's, or at least is not nearly up to par with what you find on other mediums. Yeah, there is no algorithm pushing your show. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so that's a big part of our goal and how we sometimes describe, you know, some of the efforts that we're making is to build a YouTube for podcasts. Because on YouTube, there's dozens of video places you could post a video, a video channel online, but you do it on YouTube. Why do you do it on YouTube? Because that's where they're going to take your content, feature it out to uh, you know other audiences through related content and help you grow your audience for you um, without you having to necessarily have these people on an email list or on your social channels. They help you find people that you are not already connected with and bring them in to be a part of your audience. 
and then also they have, you know, we can get into this later, but they also have a, a quick and easy way to start monetizing. Once you hit a certain number of monthly downloads, you flip a switch and now you're making money off your podcast or your channel or whatever it is. So um, that's that's what podcasters want. An easy way, at least the ones, all the ones I've talked to, and I've talked to a lot of them, a really easy way to find the audience and then uh, provide a lot of value to them and then start monetizing. So you can you know, potentially uh, turn your passion into your profession and do what you love uh, for, for, uh, for your job instead of, you know, whatever the daily grind is that, that you're in. So yeah, we, you know, we're pretty bullish on, you know, just helping with the full range, the full suite, you know, uh, basically doing, you know, what networks do for podcasts. But the problem is most networks are human powered. They can only handle, you know, dozens of creators at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oftentimes you have to pay to be part of them or already be really big creator to be a part of them. And so, you know, we want to open up that, that ability for everybody out there to have a great chance of success and breakout success with your podcast without having to have a whole team of people uh, behind you. That's either going to be very expensive or, or very exclusive. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions regarding that particular aspect of discoverability, which I think is most podcasters main interest. And, and you mentioned like creating a place where people can discover new shows. Is this a project that you would like to carry out in the, in the near future? Maybe like a platform where people can jump in and like get recommendations or that kind of thing? Or what do you envision for this kind of, of project? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of ways to grow. You know, obviously, if you look at, you know, a lot of the platforms you'll see, uh, like I mentioned on YouTube, featured content and related content. So being part of a platform that has an algorithm that helps push you to the right people. Also, just getting your content discoverable by search engines. This is starting to change a little more now, but you know, when we started, most podcasts did not have transcriptions. Um, If they did, they were paying, you know, a lot for them. And that's how you get discoverable by search engines. And that's part of the reason why, you know, we were one of the first podcast platforms out there to offer free transcriptions and always working on trying to, you know, create ways for creators to have more discoverability that way. But there's also, you know, helping people get posted onto social, helping people not only get their um, content out on the social platforms, but in the right way that's engaging in the the best way for each platform and also helping people grow their audiences on those platforms. It's not just about growing your podcast. Uh, A lot of podcasters are not just podcasters, they're content marketers and they don't want to just grow a podcast audience. They want to grow on Twitter. They want to grow on Instagram and TikTok. They want to be everywhere. Podcasts because of the RSS syndication nature of it, kind of promises that when you get in, like you can be anywhere on any platform or, or any, any podcast player can pull you in and consume this and publish your content uh, onto many, many different platforms. And, you know, we want to just lean into that. That's great. Like why limit where your content can go and be consumed? And you should think of your audience as not just your podcast audience, but your entire, you know, social sphere audience and grow that. And that's really you know, find your audience where they're at. Don't make them come to you. Mm -hmm. Hello there. Sorry for the interruption, but I'm sure you'll appreciate this. We are always creating new tools and resources to help you improve your craft as a podcaster. 
a manual for your podcast guests to sound and look better? We've got it. A content calendar template to organize your show? We've got that too. A guide to buy the best recording equipment without breaking the bank? Yes, we've got that as well. We even have a course on how to record podcasts. Get your hands on these resources today at TalkingSilkworm.com slash resources. We're constantly updating this page with new tools and resources just for you. Remember, TalkingSilkworm.com slash resources. All right, that's it for this special message. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a great point because my audience is mainly people who are creating podcasts for their businesses. It's not like these are for a hobby, it's for a business purpose. So let's say, uh, Josh, if somebody wants to start a podcast show, they want to use Zencaster as a tool for creating their show. Can you give us an overview of what solutions they can find? Because I already know you can record audio, you can record video. You can get the transcript, which is very, like, very, very useful as well for repurposing the content into blog posts or stuff like that. But I am aware you also offer hosting. Like, what are what is the like whole range of tools available to podcasters right now on Zencast? Oh man, there's we're always adding more, so hopefully I don't leave anything out here. But um, as you mentioned, we have that you know studio quality audio and video recording, which is really just table stakes, the you know the beginning piece of the puzzle. Then we have automated editing tools. So we call them smart filters. You can hit a button and it removes all the ums and ahs from your podcast. Hit another one or remove all the long pauses. And then we do on top of that, just like the the foundational like stuff your audio editor may help you do, which is just like dynamic range compression and you know noise gating and some of these more technical things that just kind of polish up the sound and make it sound good. But as I mentioned, like we want to help with the whole process. Like you should be able to come to Zencaster and have a soup to nuts experience of creating, pro uh, production, uh, and then publishing. So we have a hosting service built into Zencaster. You can automatically publish your content right from there. Which uh, and then also um, now we're leaning into the growth and monetization side. And so we launched what we call the Zencaster Creator Network uh, at the end of last year and kind of started with a small cohort of creators and now we're really scaling that up now and what that is is just making it so that you can monetize your podcast no matter what size your show is um historically you like you know when when we first you know this is years ago now but when i found out we had maybe 10 million monthly downloads represented by all the creators on the network um i said hey that's and I think 80, I did a survey and 80% of them were not not monetized and wanted to monetize. And so I went and started reaching out to podcast ad agencies and I was like, let's, let's, you know, monetize these guys. And they were just like, no, I can't do it. And as I dug in, it was a quality control problem. They don't, and most of their advertisers were coming from radio at that point in time. And they didn't know how to deal with a bunch of small shows and small creators and quality control it and make sure brand alignment is there is all that. So they just wouldn't look at a podcast. They wouldn't even consider a podcast that was under 50,000 monthly downloads, which half of all podcasters are like below 400 monthly downloads. Yeah, absolutely. That's a big gap. And, where, and, and whereas you look at YouTube, I think you need uh, needed a thousand 
monthly views to start monetizing. And so, you know, it's already been proven that this can work. Why is this not working? And why can't podcasters have this too? And so that that's um, kind of what we started working on and realized that part of it, the key to that was getting the transcriptions because then we can go to brands and say, we can aggregate together, you know, one podcaster with 5,000 monthly downloads is not going to move the needle for you as a brand, but we can aggregate together a bunch of podcasts um, that are topically aligned because we know what they're talking about. We also know we can scan it to make sure they're not saying like, you know, slurs or objectionable content or whatever it is that you care about as a brand. Maybe you're a fitness brand and you don't want the cigars and whiskey podcasts to be out, you know, whatever it is that, um, your brand is is sensitive to, we can positively and negatively kind of match cohorts for you into uh, out of our network and build a, an aggregate package that is a big enough, has enough uh, basically impressions to really move the needle for your brand. So that's sort of the key and the way that we're approaching that problem and making it so that even small podcasters of, of really any size can start getting advertising deals and also looking at like, you know, advertising is maybe not the best way for you to advert to make money as a smaller podcaster or an up and coming podcaster uh, or a niche podcast. Um, maybe like a backer program would be better for you or maybe, you know, selling merchandise or, you know, all, all the myriad of other options out there. And so we're really focused on investing in creators when they're small. We have a really liberal free plan as in caster helping you grow and helping you monetize even as you're growing. And then, but all the time trying to make sure you're always growing and scaling up so that you can then uh, really start qualifying for the really high CPM deals and uh, you know, getting connected with really great brands that are really great matches with your audience. Like I've, what I found is interesting with podcast audiences is they don't tend to perceive the advertisements, as long as they're well matched, as like you hucking something for them, it's like it's a recommendation. You you know, it's a host thread endorsement. I like this product. You should like it too. You know, most podcasts are like mini celebrities of their audience, and so um, it tends to be a real win-win-win for the creator, the brand, and and the audience if it's done properly. And so that's a lot of what we're trying to uh, accomplish. Great. Yeah, I, I like that you make it clear that not all ways of monetization are suitable for all types of podcasts. Like it will depend on what you talk about or what your audience is like uh, that is going to work better for you. However, I, I do have two questions about monetization on Zencaster, Josh. The first one will be, how is the, the ad published? Is it like a dynamic ad system? Is it a, something people read? How, how do people include their ads on the show? And the other question is, I see you're actively betting the shows that are that can qualify for monetization. What could be like the main criteria or the parameters so our show can be accepted into the monetization program? So we do uh, several different types of sort of advertising monetization. One would be direct to brand CPM deals. So you two tend to need to be a larger show to get to because the brands are more selective about who they want to pay in advance to to advertise for them. And by that, I mean, you know, maybe 20, 20K and up, you know, it really depends on the brand. So that's one option. Um, these are host read endorsements, which is what all the brands really like. 
um, and works well for the audience and the creator as well. Uh, we also do what's called a CPA model or cost per action, where maybe you're a smaller creator um, that the brand wouldn't doesn't know yet and they're not willing to spend up front to advertise with you, but they are willing to give you a coupon code and basically make you part of their affiliate program. And any conversions you drive, they're willing to give a kickback on. And so that can be a great option for, um, you know, more niche up and coming podcasts. And then, you know, but if you prove, if the brand sees that, Hey, this creator is converting like 10 times more people for our, uh, for our brand than anyone else, then they can say, Hey, let's do a CPM based deal with them. Or let's have do a paid guest spot. Let's have our thought leader come on their show. Cause we know, we already know that we're resonating with their audience. Let's, let's double down and, uh, see what we can do here. So there's a lot of options. Uh, and then the, uh, the other side is just programmatic advertising. So these are more like just basically putting a radio type ad, uh, into your content. Those are not as, uh, effective and therefore not as valuable as far as like the amount people are willing to pay for them. But if you've got inventory that is not being filled and if with any of these other, um, options, like why not? Like, let's get your fill. Let's, let's fill your, uh, let's, let's get that filled. And so you're not leaving money on the table. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds great. Because uh, that's one of the most common questions podcasters have. Like, how do I monetize my show? So uh, I'm glad to hear that there's a wide range of options, not just like dynamic ads or programmatic ads. Like you can actually have an interaction with the brand, get to an agreement, and and like and th I mean that that opens a lot of doors. You can grow and you can like try different other strategies for promoting the brand. Yeah, exactly. And we're just kind of the piece in the middle that makes it so the brand doesn't have to deal with dozens or hundreds of individual relationship with creators and the creators don't have to be out there going and selling themselves to brands and trying to, you know, figure out that part. Cause that's, that's a whole other skill set, a whole lot of time. Uh, you know, I've, I've known some podcasts that have sales sales teams of like five to 10 people just to get their ads filled. So, you, you know, there's a lot of work there on both sides that nobody wants to do. And, you know, we're happy to be that piece in between that just greases the wheels and, uh, you know, it makes everybody happy. So there's still a lot of work to be done there, but we've made a lot of progress already and we already have the offerings that I just mentioned. So yeah, if you're looking to monetize and uh, you're interested in any of those options, come and join the Zen Zencaster Creator Network. We've got something for you. That sounds great. That sounds great. Okay, Josh, now I would like to move the conversation a little bit towards the technical side of recording the podcast because the other very common question or, or a barrier of, of entrance podcasters have is how, how do I get my show recorded? How do I interview a guest remotely? How do I do? And, and even though uh, platforms like Zencaster have made the whole process a lot easier, it is still complicated for some people maybe because of the age or how they process information like it's not as easy uh, or maybe because the platform cannot be used on other type of devices i don't know if, if zencaster is currently supporting mobile devices because like I, I understand it's a different system and like the limitations or the capabilities are different what are some steps maybe Zencaster is taking towards making the whole process more accessible to people who want to start a podcast show? Well, I'm glad you brought up mobile. That's exactly where I was going to go. I mean, we've had the desktop um, product for a long time. Um, it runs in your browser, 
but you know, some people have a really ancient computer or a lot of people don't even have a computer these days. We're actually um, in the final stages of launching a mobile app um, on iOS that will make it super easy for uh, anybody, you know, if they don't have a computer or don't have, don't want to do it that way, they can, uh, you know, maybe they don't have, you know, a, a microphone that hooks up to their computer that's decent or a decent camera. You know, oftentimes the best camera and microphone people have is on their phone, you know? And, you know, if, if you put in like your, you know, plug in some earbuds or something like that with a, that's a big part of just expanding, you know, the options for people to, to make it super easy and simple. I think people, mobile devices just tend to be simpler to, to, to use and wrap your head around in general. And the apps tend to be the same way. And so the way I see it is, you know, for people that are looking for that really ease of use experience that's on mobile, uh, for the advanced users that want to plug in their audio interface and their DSLR camera and all that stuff, then the desktop experience has that with all the, the screen real estate and all the advanced options as well. Um, so, you know, whatever, you know, you know, easy enough for a beginner, but advanced enough for, for the veteran podcasters as well. And, you know, pick which platform you want to use to create. That sounds great. Yeah, because as a podcast editor, I usually have the the clients asking me, hey, what, what can I use because I need to record on mobile? Because maybe the person they are interviewing uh, is always on the go. They're moving, they're traveling, so they don't carry a computer with them or they don't carry a microphone with them and they can use the phone. So that will really open a lot of doors, I'm sure, for, for new... Uh, yeah, I mean, one, for, of, like, one of the... Sorry, yeah, one of the... Um, from the very beginning, one of the primary concerns of podcast creators is how do I make this as easy as possible for the guest? Like I'm the host. I'm happy to figure out, like spend some time to figure out how to work, whatever. Um, but my guest, they're, you know, my life hero, they're a celebrity, they're busy. Last thing I want to do is get them to agree to be on my show and then hassle them with a bunch of like information and new skills they have to learn in order, just in order to talk to me and, and have this recording. And so that's a really big prominent focus for us is like ultimate ease of use for the guest. And so that's why when you send a link to anybody that they, you want to record with, they open it up on desktop. It's just going to ask them to put in their name. They hit enter and that's all they have to do aside from answer your questions and have a conversation after that point. Or if they're on mobile and they open the link, same thing. They put in their name, join the room, and now they're recording uh, on their mobile device. And you know, really can't get much easier than that. And that's that's the goal. Like your guests should not have to know anything about the technical parts of podcasting in order to be on your show. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons people still uh, like they resource uh, Zoom as a tool for recording, even though the audio sucks. But like Zoom makes it very easy for like many users to just jump in and 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 record. Whereas, uh, for example, Zencaster, I understand is very easy to use, but I have to use Google Chrome. No, I cannot use any other um, platforms or, or browsers for that because I understand Google Chrome is the only one that supports that, whatever computer you're on, like Mac or Windows, for example. We're, at, we're actually about to, um, we used to have this, uh, well, no, uh, at the very early days we had Firefox support and Chrome. Firefox kind of fell behind. Um, but now we're going to have Safari and Chrome so coming soon oh, as well to make great. that easier. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. And I'll also be looking forward to the mobile app. I'm an Android user, by the way. So I understand it might, it might take a little bit longer to, to get there. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. 
Now, in terms of the guests, uh, there is an issue that you can't control your own environment as a as the podcaster, like the quality of your audio. You can control that, but you usually cannot control the guests side of things. And yeah, there are like these, these series of aspects that are beyond your control. Are there maybe tools that you are planning to implement in the future? I'm, I'm speaking here particularly about artificial intelligence tools that you consider implementing on the platform so people can have like better quality audio without necessarily having quality studio gear? Yeah, no, we're always, um, we've had a machine learning or artificial intelligence team uh, working on these problems for several years now. And we're at the point now where we're starting to ship a lot of the fruits of that labor. A lot of that has gone into you know, helping transcribe accurately the content, but also some of the things that come into in tow with that is, um, you know, things like speech enhancement is typically typically what it's called in that field, which is basically making it so you sound great and you're not you don't have a bunch of background noise. So, for instance, uh, let's say a dog is barking in the background, you can use these speech enhancement models to totally filter that out without having to uh, do any effort on your own and and do it well because um, that's. A pr- you know that's not an easy problem to solve even with advanced kind of audio editing tools but these machine learning alg- algorithms can do really interesting things like train on your voice uh, the old ones used to say let's know what a dog sounds like let's know what a car sounds like let's know what a dump truck sounds like and then let's try and pull those out the new ones say let's just learn what david let's learn what you sound like we've got hours and hours of your voice let's learn how you sound and then just block out anything else that doesn't sound like you and that's uh, kind of the path to maybe making a, let's say somebody's recording on mobile and they're walking down the street uh, and there's going to be road noises and things like that. That's the path towards um, really making that a, a good quality experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I've been playing around with uh, voice enhancement through AI. The results sometimes are great. Sometimes they are very disappointing. And also voice synthesis. Uh, there is a tool a tool called 11 labs a platform called 11 labs i don't know if you're familiar with it man it's like very hard to tell the real voice from the ai generated voice like they are very very accurate in terms of what they can do and i'm sure this eventually will come to the podcasting space so people don't have like echoey or noisy recordings but they're going to have like very high quality recordings without necessarily paying attention to what the recording situation is from the get-go and that that's yeah. scary for me as a podcast editor is both amazing and also scary because like okay what am i going to work on afterwards i've obviously followed those types of projects and i see that they do have some utility for instance like you know i could see like if you want to do if you're a brand and you want to do localized ads and the creator doesn't want to read a different ad read for every every county or something like you could do something like that you know, we have not gone down that path of trying to synthesize voice data. We're more interested in uh, making you sound making you sound great in in the reality of who you are, rather than um, you know trying to augment or clone your your voice. Because I, I I think audiences are pretty sensitive to that. They don't want to be listening to a computer. They want to connect with like you as a person and uh, not like an algorithm. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're less interested in, in that side of, of the AI application. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Because uh, by testing eleven labs, like if you have a short recording, it can easily pass as a real recording. But if it's over one minute, you can tell by the inflections and in the intonation that it's like AI. But if it's a short piece, uh, yeah. But like, and yeah, podcasting is mostly about authentic conversations. And you want those pauses and you want those like back and forths. And that's what makes them so relatable. Yeah, people want to connect. They don't. And, I, you know, I, I came across one a little while ago where it was an AI generated podcast that had two speakers, like two bots, and they would talk, interview each other back and forth about, uh, I think, Hacker News articles. And it was an interesting way to like listen to and learn about an article if you just care about like a summary. But very quickly, I you know I listened to a couple and then I was like, there's nothing to connect with here. Like there's no there's it's got no soul. And you know I don't know exactly how to put a, my finger on what tipped me off. If it maybe it's because I already knew that they were bots, but I just felt like a bit of a soulless and empty experience. And uh, you know as you mentioned, podcasting what really draws people in is you know the intimacy, the authenticity, the ability to kind of be a fly on the wall with two people having a real conversation about real things they really care about. And so that's that's what we're interested in empowering. Okay. Josh, I think I think that we have already covered most of my questions. So to wrap up, I would like you to think of three tips you can give podcasters uh, in any area, in any area you, you want to cover. We have spoken about audience growth. We have spoken about monetization. We have spoken about like the technical aspect of recording a show. So uh, in any of those areas, what are three tips you could give probably new podcasters or probably seasoned podcasters that can help them improve their craft and make their whole life easier when it comes to creating their show? I mean, I think number one would be if you're a new podcaster, don't worry about all the, all the quality stuff and all of the, you know, getting everything perfect. It's not going to be perfect. Your first, you know, your first few episodes and maybe your first many are going to be, you're going to look back on them as you learn and grow and, you know, probably be slightly embarrassed, but that's the path to figuring it out. And it's not only just about getting the right mic or, you know, having the right, uh, you know, presence as a, as a, an interviewer or a host. It's about, you know, learning what your audience resonates with. Because uh, you could think, oh, they're going to really care about, uh, you know, if I ask the right questions or if I'm witty or whatever. And then you maybe find out all they really care about is if you have, you know, great industry guests who are bringing really relevant information that's going to help them you know, whatever, be a better, uh, most people are trying to, in some way or another, they're listening to podcasts because they're trying to learn something and improve themselves in some way. And so that can manifest in many different ways. And it's a, it's a bit of a, you got to throw some things at the wall and see what sticks with your audience and your domain. And so I think mostly it's about getting stuff created and then getting people to listen to it, making sure you're getting feedback and incorporating that back in as opposed to, and maybe if they say, Hey, your mic sucks, I'm not going to listen to this. Okay. Okay. Maybe I'll upgrade my microphone now. Um, but I wouldn't worry too much about getting the full studio set up and everything right out of the gate. Cause that can be, you know, that can be expensive. That can be challenging skill wise, technical wise. And if you wait until you think you know it all, you know, suddenly years have gone by and you still haven't even really gotten started. So that'd be my first tip. Uh, you know, from a 
from a quality side, I would say, you know, whether it's us or another remote recording tool, you definitely do want to have that, that, that same room sound. It's not such a big deal if you're using, you know, an earbud mic or something like that. It's a big deal if you sound really distinctly different from person that you're recording with right and so if you sound pretty good and then your guest is sounds robotic and has dropouts in their voice that plays like some sort of ping pong game in people's heads where the the jump between the different quality levels can be really jarring and you know can drive people to turn off the podcast so you know get some baseline of of quality just by using a remote utility if you have a remote remote podcast i think would be a big uh, tip in there as well and then let's see tip three i would say interestingly and this is something that we're looking to help out with a lot of people um the the highest reason for people churning out of podcasting in a recent report that we saw is the the pressure to promote themselves on all these platforms Uh, because that's a lot of work it's a chore you gotta learn you know what works on each platform and all that and so i would say until we, you know, until you're, you know, we're trying to help get you on all these platforms and then we got a product coming out pretty soon to help with this, but you know, pick one or two, like maybe say, I'm going to be, I'm going to have a podcast and I've already got, you know, a decent following on Twitter. Like these are the ones I'm going to really lean into and knock it out of the park. And once I get that figured out, then let's, let's start expanding out and, uh, you know, stepping on the gas by, you know, whatever, starting your TikTok or whatever, whatever it's going to be the next one to be. Maybe it's YouTube or LinkedIn, depending on the type of content that you have. So again, start with it. I think it's all about baby stepping your way into becoming, you know, the, the, you know, having it all in the end. Right. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. You got to take it easy because I've had clients who want to start with like the three camera angles and super expensive gear and all that. And they burn out. They haven't started recording yet and they are already burnt out. So yeah, I absolutely agree. You gotta take the baby steps first. Great, uh, Josh. If people wanna try Zencaster, where like is is there like a, a demo plan or like how can people get to test it and learn how it works? And then how much does it cost to use Zencaster if they eventually decide to use it? So we have all sorts of plans for you know kind of podcasters at any stage. This is a very liberal, uh, free hobbyist plan. Uh, we also have an ad supported um, plan, which is the creator creator plus plan, which basically means you join the creator network and we start helping you monetize. We've got paid plans that start at $20 a month and kind of um, scale up from there. If you're interested in trying, and those all have free trials associated with them for I think 14 day trials. So um, if you'd like to try those out, uh, the paid plans, we have a coupon code, all capital letters, welcome. And that'll give you 20% off for the first three months. Or if you use it on a yearly plan, it'll give you 20% off for the entire first year. Um, so come in, uh, come to Zencaster.com, uh, check out our pricing page, Zencaster.com slash pricing. And that, that's where you can put on the coupon code. And yeah, I would love to, love to uh, work with you guys. Great, great, great. Looking forward to that. We're going to be adding some links on the show notes for those listening. And Josh, thank you very much for sharing uh, this information with us. Thank you very much for what you're doing, because I know you're helping people spread their message. And, and I think that that's one of the main reasons I love working with podcasts, because you're helping people transform other people's lives through their voice. And, and Zencaster is absolutely a great tool for, for making that easier 
for everyone along the way. Yeah, no, we're super excited. Podcasters are amazing to work with. And thank you, uh, David, for having me back on the show. Hopefully we can do it again sometime. Yeah, that's great. Looking forward to having you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Talking Silkworm podcast. We hope today's episode is valuable to your journey towards building your audience by using the power of your voice. Remember to follow us on social media for more insights, updates, and behind-the-scenes content. Find us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us at info at talkingsilkworm.com. We'd love to hear from you. Remember to subscribe to our show to get the latest episodes and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.